0: Good morning, everybody. Why don't you go ahead and find a seat? Okay, uh, so this morning, can everybody hear me all right? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Is it too loud? OK, great. Well, if, it, if it's, uh, now I'm a little bit more aware of how to work the sound system. So I appreciate, appreciate uh, the, uh, the patience um, as I was teaching two, two weeks ago, and I wasn't quite sure how to do it. So let me see if I can um, do a source search so we can find my, my laptop here. Hopefully we'll be in business. And my name is Brian Huesland. Um, I, uh, yeah, go ahead. So I'm going to be talking today about the topic of the knowability and incomprehensibility of God. So kind of big topics, hopefully you've had a chance to wake up this morning. Um, this is going to be just a 40,000 foot uh, flyover, um, but it is one of the chapters that Wayne Grudem uh, does does devote um, to. So I would like to start uh, today with just a word of prayer, if you could pray with me. Father, thank you as we are going through this uh, teaching series on systematic theology, We pray that you would open our eyes to wonderful things, Lord, um, about you that are in your word. And so, God, help us to think good thoughts and true thoughts about you, Lord. As Tozer said, what we think about you um, is the most important thing we can think. So, would you guide our thoughts today and inspire us and encourage us and help us have good questions and good applications? In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm going to read a quote to you. Um, this is from a thank you so much. Uh, so the this is a quotation from a uh, a philosopher. I don't know if you know who Elizabeth Anderson is. Um, I think she's in Michigan, and so this is what she uh, this is what she says. The definition of deism is the philosophical idea of God as a first cause of the universe. Who lays down the laws of nature and lets them run like clockwork, indifferent to the fate of the people subject to them. How many of you are familiar with that idea? Or that that somehow God does exist, but he kind of created everything like an intricate clock. And then once it started, right, once he starts the first domino, he then, in a sense, is not involved, right? Or at least if he's involved in the intricate workings, he's not really that deeply personally interested in the creation have you heard of that before so that's kind of one view another view is that which francis schaeffer shared which is that man made in the image of god has a purpose to be in relationship to god who is there man forgets his purpose and thus he forgets who he is and what life means so who's right i mean I mean, obviously we might say Francis Schaeffer is right, but why uh, is that view of the deists um, or, or others who, who may say, well, I'm an agnostic, there is a God or there's a supreme being or something, but we really can't know him. How can we really claim to say he's knowable? So, so we're going to deal with that issue. But before we do, I just want to tell a quick story. I knew a retired professor in Shoreline, which is kind of on the north side of Seattle. Her name was Margaret, and Margaret uh, was a wonderful lady. I got to know her because she'd be power-jogging as much as a 75-year-old can power-jog at, you know, one mile an hour. Um, And I was walking to school, and we would always see each other. And eventually, I got to know Margaret, and, you know, she was such a sweet lady. We both enjoyed literature. And we started talking and whatever, became friends. Um, and this is, I, was a, I was a young Christian, so we had a few discussions. But it wasn't until I came back with my wife and children and would visit Margaret. We would talk. And I remember this one conversation where she, she knew that I, I wrote poetry and that I was interested in literature and, and that I was a Christian. And so she had said, well, you know, there was that famous poem, The Hound of Heaven. Have, you have any, any of you ever heard of that? It's a great poem. It's, it's a little bit long. But it's very worthwhile reading. And in it, uh, the author basically says, um, this is written in the 1800s, that God was like a hound, you know, like a bloodhound. And that no matter how far or how fast this guy tried to run away from God, God was on his scent. And he just kept coming after him because he wanted to save him. (laughs) And so Margaret was referring to this and saying that when she was a young woman uh, studying at the University of Iowa, she said... I really rejected that whole idea. And she said, but, but I do believe, I'm a theist. She said, I believe that it's more like the hair of heaven. As in, you know, that kind of creature that runs away and we must pursue it. And she said, God is the hair of heaven. He is mysterious. And we chase because we have to, because we want meaning in our lives. So we're always trying to understand God but he's running away from us and we will never really understand him. And I thought, wow, those are so such interesting opposite views, right? Um, and so, we come to our first point today, which is that God is knowable. And so we're going to kind of unpack this. So what does this mean that God is knowable? And and really, the, Grudem has us look at three points um, when we talk about the knowability of God and, and kind of, part of that is this whole idea of um, so is God mysterious? Is he in any sense incomprehensible? Or is he completely comprehensible? Like how much can we know him? Fully? Not at all? In between? What's that spectrum look like? So the first point is the knowability of God. And uh, sorry, that's that's the first subject. The first point would be that God must reveal himself in order for us to know him. Well, well how do we know that? from scripture? What, what guidance does the Bible show? Um, how do we know that the Bible teaches this? So Romans says in chapter 1, uh, verses 19 and 20, for what can be known about God is plain to them, meaning human beings, because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes. And, and of course, I don't want to steal any of Dave's thunder coming up here in a couple of weeks But, you know, probably you'll hear this again, but it mentions his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So the interesting thing here, if we go back to this first point, is notice that in this scripture, this famous scripture from Romans 1, it is actually because God has shown it to them that they can learn or or see or identify from creation something true about god it's not like by reason alone we can just look out at the stars and and just say truly someone something some power some god or gods created all this because unless god had made his creation in a sense psalm 19 speaking, okay, Psalm 19, look it up later if you want, but it's this idea that the heavens declare the glory of God, right? And there is no language that they do not speak. In other words, there's this idea that God has actually turned on a switch and the creation is speaking something, it's telling us something, there's a signature here, but if God had not actually chosen to show it to people to human beings we would not even be able to tell that that's very humbling (laughs) i think well it's just so clear right but then maybe not because we realize that there are people who do look at the stars and, and don't say well surely somebody must have made all this right so then we we start to realize like well wait a minute maybe maybe nothing like how much would I really know of God if he did not choose to reveal it? Like, if God did not want to reveal himself, would I be able to force somehow, you know, like, catch him? Would I be able to do that? And the Bible says a resounding no. What other proof do we have of this? Well, let's get even even more specific because that's just talking about creation. It's not saying you can understand all about him but in Matthew 11:27 Jesus said no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him so again god is the one who reveals god is making a choice it's not like the um, some of the is it i think it was manichaeism one of those ancient religions that believe that 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 the stuff emanated out from god that you had this Reality that they kind of just—it's almost like God was exfoliating, you know, truth, and it just kind of happens to 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 fall on us, and then we learn something about God. It's not like that. God is um, able to be completely, um, completely boggling to our minds in the sense that He can not reveal Himself. But what this also shows us, though, is that he does want to be known. And it's that which makes him knowable, that God wants to be known, that he desires to be known, which is very encouraging. But it's also very humbling, so we have to keep these in balance. It's encouraging that God wants to be known. It's humbling that he cannot be known unless he reveals it in creation and most specifically in the gospel through the Holy Spirit Actually opening your eyes and mind as He did at some point in the past, to know, "Oh, God has revealed himself to me, and that is where salvation comes from. Humbling but encouraging that he is. He is the hound of heaven. He's is seeking, isn't he? He's always seeking. But it gets a little bit, um, there's a little nuance here, right? Because couldn't somebody say, well, I don't really need the Bible. I can, you know, I can just discern from creation alone. I mean, if, yeah, I agree with you, you know, God makes himself knowable to some extent. He reveals himself. So so why do we really need the Bible after all? Can't we just take in what we need from creation um, and using our ability of reason and intuition or maybe feelings? So Romans 1 Continues on, and this is following immediately after this. So here we have the scripture in Romans 19 and 20. They are without excuse, and now following on from that, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds, and animals, and creeping things. So, it's not just that we would be uh, at a zero, like, kind of a blank slate. I, I don't really know God unless he reveals it to me. But that even when he puts into creation the signature and this evidence that, and, and this, this Psalm 19 kind of language of, of the creation talking about... <laughs> God exists, and He is real, even in that situation, we naturally actually will turn away from that, just with the knowledge from creation. And that natural knowledge is not enough, because we will take that, we will hijack it due to our sinful nature. And in this sense, although it kind of gives a sense of knowing, for although they knew God, so talking about our ancient ancestors, those who were, you know, in the Old Testament um, time period, wandering around wherever, they may have, in a sense, known of God, but they did not honor him. And so you see this progression, these steps down into darkness, these steps down into ignorance, these steps down into futility, these steps down into foolishness. And ironically, the more and more foolish they are becoming the more and more, like less and less of a grasp on who God is and and a need to to have specific revelation that guides their thinking about creation. They're actually thinking that they are wise. And this is, of course, a human paradox. And we see it all around us to this day. So that's the problem, right? Is that although, going back to that that first point, God must reveal himself in order for us to know him. And that is encouraging, that God wants to be known. It's humbling because God has to show it to us because without that, we won't know. But not only will we not know, but that our, our sinful hearts are actively resisting, um, or, or maybe I should say it a better way. Our hearts and minds will not interpret the language that the heavens and the earth are declaring. We will not be able to comprehend it because our sinful nature is, in a sense, I'd, I'm not listening, la, 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 right? I, I am going to listen to the parts I want to hear. As in any relationship where someone is um, not really wanting to understand, but is taking your words out of context. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, that's hard, isn't it? When someone does that, <laughs> I'm sure it's, uh, maybe it's not happened to you, but it's happened to me. And it, part of that's my own fault. God is not at fault, though. He is pure and true and clear. But we sometimes take what we hear and see around in creation. And on our own, without God's help, without the Bible to guide us, we would not just be at a neutral place. We would, we would go in some other direction. And this explains, of course, all the religions of the world. little shout-out to... shout out to uh, all you Scandinavians today. Today is Leif Erikson Day. so I'm wearing my Viking shirt. <laughs> Sorry for the recording there. Uh, and it says, if you can read this, you're a Viking. So. But, uh, low bar there. But the, the, as you may know from the Marvel movies, of the Nine Realms, right? Uh, if you've uh, watched any of the Thor movies. So that's, of course, built on actual mythology that people have believed. The reason I bring this up is because we will be so clever in the way in which as pagans we will create vast uh, interconnected explanations of how things came to be. And I loved reading mythology as a kid. It's so interesting. But the other side of that is also very sad because you are Um, you are just searching, and yet, at the same time, so lost. And this this represents, of course, why there are so many religions in the world today. Because if it's true that God must reveal himself for him to be knowable, and that the, the, the creation itself, though it is speaking of him, we cannot interpret that correctly without God's word showing us, look, this is what it's saying. This is what it's telling you. I need to tell you. Because the trees, the trees can tell you some things about God, right? When, when they're just in, in, in just being a tree. They're, they're being obedient to what God has created them to be. But their, their beauty cannot tell you that Jesus died on the cross for you. That you, you know... So there's certain things you can gain from nature, but you're going to take it in the wrong direction, and so we have this heritage of emptiness, as it says in the New Testament, the empty way handed down to you by your forefathers. And unless you're Jewish, uh, you this is you know going back hundreds of years, thousands of years. This is this is the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers until somebody. Somebody came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. How? How did they do it? Was it by going on top of a mountain? Was it by seeing a sunset? No. It was through God revealing himself in his word. It was how God, in his kindness, makes himself known to us. So is God knowable? Yes. But, humbly, we have to recognize that God himself must reveal anything about him that we want to know. Thankfully, this is a very strong argument for why God would give us the scriptures in the first place. Why would God inspire these writers in the, of the Old Testament New Testament? Why would he ensure that we would have his word to be able to read and understand? Because he is a revealing God. That is what he is. So classic uh, text here is Acts 17, 22 and 23, which says, uh, So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown this i proclaim to you so there you have it kind of in a nutshell right he's paul is like okay guys you've got all these gods you know no shortage on gods here you know on the god shelf they're well stocked right uh, but you, he's finding a way to communicate to them and saying you know that there is a god that must that should be worshiped but you need you need God's revelation. You need Him to reveal Himself. Because any pathway to knowing God that starts with you is doomed to go off the cliff. It will not... It, because whereas it's, it's, it's really depending upon your ability. But if God reveals Himself, then we're in better, on a better foundation because He is able to perfectly um, build that bridge to you and me. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Is God knowable? Does he reveal himself? He is knowable because he has revealed himself in his son. So that's the first point today. And if you've got some questions and thoughts on that, we'll um, we'll save those for the end. So I'm going to try to make sure you have time. Let's go on to the second point, which is related, which is God is also incomprehensible. Now this would sound like a contradiction because we as a good old Americans are pretty sloppy with our words. And I will I will include myself in this. We like to just use like one meaning of a word instead of understanding like the range of meanings. So the word incomprehensible can actually mean several different things, right? Uh It can mean something that you can't understand at all, but it can also mean we can never fully understand something. Okay? And so the second point is that we can never fully understand God. So this is not to say that the Bible teaches that God is somehow unknowable because that would would be a contradiction. He is knowable, but can we think that we will exhaustively, to the very bottom, be able to know everything there is to know about God. No. Isaiah 55, 8 9 say, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So it's not just... Um, a difference in in degree. He's not saying, I just have supersized human thoughts, right? Like the Greek gods and goddesses were essentially supersized human beings with all of our drama, right? Which is typical, because what would you expect if human beings create the gods, right? They're going to be like that. Um, it's going to be the Kardashians in, you know, uh, well, that's just scary to think of, actually. But it's it's kind of, yeah, you know, on Mount Olympus. But um, Isaiah 55 says the God's thoughts are not different in degree. They're actually different in kind in that he is on a different order. I can't remember who said this once, but um, it's a great quotation, which is that uh, it was just that somebody said, if God, if God makes sense to you all the time, he wouldn't be God. Thank you. Because what kind of God would that be? Pretty comprehensible, pretty finite. A God I can carry in my pocket, right? But my ways are not your ways, because of the Lord. Now, he's not saying uh, different in kind in that, uh, you know, God is somehow evil or anything like that. It's more just talking about, again, he's, he's describing it. The heavens higher than the earth. It's, it's saying, look, you're here on earth. My ways are so, so beyond you that it's okay if you don't understand everything about me. Uh, and then also Isaiah, that's not Isaiah 55. That's a New Testament quote that I forgot to change. But I believe this is Paul. He says, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. So we see these words being used, right? Like unsearchable, inscrutable. Go ahead, Brett. I heard someone once saying, this is had a big impact on me, if you think if the human mind could fully understand God, it would lead us to believe that the human mind had created God. Yes. But if you ask religions that have answers for everything, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a sign that humans being created. That's what Mormonism, so to me, I would create Mormonism. Yes. That. It's a great system, and so, so if I'm just to make sure I'm understanding correctly, so Brett, you were just saying there that if we uh, if we could explain everything about God, if we could understand everything about God, then it would be easy for us to claim credit in a sense to be able to say, well, really, God has to then make sense to me, and that that is a dangerous path to follow, um, and I don't have time probably to get into this, but um, I I have seen. I've seen pastors, when I was living in England, where there was a situation where a pastor would say, well, this is what the Bible says, but that can't be true because that would mean God is this. So, and then he gave his his congregation a different, you know, answer, which made sense to him. But not willing to say that God's word is over us and a God who is truly infinite must be able to contradict me because I'm not infinite. So it really comes back down to what I see of myself. Do I believe that I can search all things and that I should be able to know everything? Well, that just doesn't even make sense for carpentry or uh, the internet or, I mean, raising children. Come on, man. (laughs) You know, the, the reason... When you think you've got it figured out, you don't, right? You can grow in wisdom. But... Uh, there's a lot there. So how much more God, right? John, uh, I love this. Job 26, 14 says, Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. And how small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power. Who can understand? So part of the problem is that our idea of God is not big enough. We have to realize that this God who is knowable, but only because he chooses to reveal himself in his word and to some extent in his creation, this God who wants to know us and for us to know him, he is so big. We just know the outskirts of his ways. Now, one common mistake might be to think, well, the problem is, we're just sinful human beings, no wonder, right? I mean, we just, we can't get all of it. But you know, um, just maybe my sin is the problem. But Gruden points out that God is incomprehensible because of his infinite nature, not because of my sinfulness. So obviously, our, my sin does prevent me from having a close relationship with God. It, there, there is, sin is an obstacle. But it would be a mistake to think that, um, that we could fully understand God if I had no sin. Because remember... This needs to be on God's terms. God reveals himself. He wants a relationship with us, as as Francis Schaeffer mentioned. Um, But he will remain infinite, even when one day, gloriously, you will no longer want to sin. He will remain infinite and personal. So we must not sacrifice the one at the expense of the other. The Bible says that God is both personal and infinite. He is noble and incomprehensible. And that simply means we cannot fully or exhaustively know everything there is to know about Him. And Grudem says, in order to know any single thing about God exhaustively, we would have to know it as He Himself knows it. That is, we would have to know it in its relationship to everything else about God and and in its relationship to everything else about creation throughout all eternity. Wow. So clearly... That's not possible for us because that is the, again, I'm going to go back to the temptation in the garden. Right? You can know everything. But we're not meant to know everything. That is not really our destiny. But our destiny is to walk with God. That's part of who we are. And why is this good news Can I encourage you with this? Because sometimes these thoughts are just like, you know, you kind of become numb almost. Listen, here's why it's good news. If you cannot exhaustively like, okay, now I understand everything there is to know about this attribute of God. That means that in an infinitely long eternal life with God in heaven, that you will never run out of things to discover about God to worship God, to delight in God, to celebrate with your brothers and sisters in the new heavens and the new earth as you continue to learn more. So in other words, we're just on the table of contents, guys. The real story has not begun yet. We're just just in those first few pages of the book. This is good news. God wants to reveal more of himself and, is, and he can do that forever and still not finish because God is infinitely good. He's infinitely pure. But I'm going to leave that for Dave because that's Dave's talk. Yeah. You should feel a little bit boggled. But remember, this is a God who says, don't worry, right? Don't worry. I have you in my hand. And that's why we need to come to the third point and then I'll ask for questions. Okay, so first point, God must reveal himself to us to be knowable. Second point, we can never fully or exhaustively know God. Okay? But that's okay because you know what? I think I'll be content with a thimbleful of God's love in heaven. I don't think I need to have all of it to be able to enjoy it, right? You can enjoy without, you know, having it all. Yet we can truly know God, um, because we don't want to be in this kind of no man's land of like, well, God's knowable, but he, I just feel discouraged because He's because I'll never really fully know Him. Isn't isn't the whole point that when we get to heaven that we will be able to know God? I'm getting there. Don't worry. So John 17.3 says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Okay, so where we need to go with this is, again, not to try to go down this road as I would do it, but as God would do it. What is God's plan? What is his will for this relationship which he wants to have with me? It is a relationship in which we would know God through Jesus Christ. And that this is the key part of how we grow in our knowledge of God. Jeremiah 9, and 24 says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord, So here we have a God who says, look, I want you to enjoy knowing me. Isn't that encouraging? That this infinite God who I can just barely understand sometimes. He says, you know what? You don't need to understand everything about me to have a a, a deep relationship with me. I just want you to, to learn from me. You see, If your your knowledge is going to be limited by the teacher, like if the teacher himself is the one who's teaching you, then that means that we have a good teacher who's going to be revealing to us more about himself because he wants us to know more. He's a God who practices steadfast love. That's being involved. He is just. Okay, God cares. He practices Righteousness. These are things in which God delights. So when we, when we practice steadfast love, justice, righteousness, then um, God delights in that too. And this, of course, is, I think some of you probably have been thinking of this and wondering if I was going to mention it. But Jeremiah, again, this is 1 Corinthians 13. I'm sorry. It uh, should, should be uh, the, the correct one, I think. I'm not sure on the verse there, but it is 1 Corinthians 13, towards the end of the chapter, it says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Well, Brian, if, if this is correct, if 1 Corinthians 13 says this, and if our, if, isn't, that, isn't that the great hope? That we shall, be, we shall know God fully, even as he currently knows me fully? So, so then, why are you being Debbie Downer with this incomprehensibility business? Well, I think, I think, again, we're approaching it from a human point of view. God can be both fully knowable to your ability. There's the limiting factor. Okay? What you are able to contain and enjoy, that is the limiting factor here, right? And so he will, he will let us know him deeper and deeper. So how do we distinguish between these two? I put up a chart here. So now we know God in part because there's diminished pleasure in God. I don't always take pleasure in God's commands uh, or in knowing him. But oh my goodness, one day you will have increased joy. It will not be diminished at all. In fact, it will, it will continue to increase. Now I have a diminished capacity, then I shall have an enlarged capacity. Not an infinite capacity because that's not, our, that's not what's been given to us. But it will be enlarged. I have limited time now. Isn't that hard, right? You're, you're busy. But there you will have unlimited time to know God fully. We are doubt plagued now, but in, in that day we will have complete assurance that everything about God that we've learned is true. And we will be able to say, My cup overflows. It might be a quart or a gallon or a pint. They come in pints, you know. But, whatever it is, the knowledge of God is going to overflow it. Colossians 1, 9 through 9-10. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So that's a really great scripture to hang on to. Because, it shows us all the things we talked about, that God is knowable because he reveals himself, um, but he's incomprehensible in the sense that he, we cannot fully know everything there is to know about God uh, because he's God, and yet we can truly know him. And again, it goes back to this idea that he wants us to have enough to be able to walk in a manner worthy of him, right? And to please him. Isn't that what Adam and Eve had with God? Isn't that what God is restoring to us and even more so with Jesus. So, before we have um, prayer time, are there scriptures you thought of that I didn't name that kind of shine some light in this? Do you have questions? Maybe you have an application like, well, if that's true, then maybe this. What are your thoughts on it? Katie. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I know for some of you this word is, is a hang up for you, so you might just need to exchange it with infinite and just say, God, I kneel at, at in awe of you, you are infinite. <laughs> like Kitty was saying. So if that's an easier word for you to grab onto, you can do that. Go ahead, Alan. That's a good word. Anybody else? Dave. Just the incredible application from this that in this lifetime. You know, I just think back when I was young. I look around at the young people today. Man, study. Study because you spend a lifetime learning more and more about God. So yes. So Yes, System, Matthew, sure, three books. that's a good point Dave, so, so you're saying there that um, it's almost like there's a promise that's embedded in scripture, right, and, and, and there is, right, they shall seek me and they shall find me when they seek me with their whole heart. About him, yeah. we'll know enough that it will be won't get boring, it won't get boring. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Language kind of fails us here, but it, it, at the same time, we don't want to make the mistake of thinking that, well, we just can't know. Um, yes, God can truly be known, He wants to be known, He's embedded in His Word um, more and more ways for you to be able to know Him, and He is encouraging you to bear fruit in every good work and increase in the knowledge of God by pursuing him as he pursues you. So let's, let's finish with Jim. Go ahead, Jim. I just want to talk about the Holy Spirit and the Psycheon of book. The Holy Spirit gave you Jesus beside you, so he sent us to help you. Oh, yes. That's the Holy Spirit. The Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> the empty way of life handed down to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so we need the Holy Spirit, and that's absolutely, um, is, is a very important completion to what, what we've looked at this morning, because, and, and that just shows us again, like, oh man, this just points to more that we need to understand without the Holy Spirit. This is God, this is God at work revealing himself, isn't it? He is the Holy Spirit. So, okay, one more. Go ahead, Jason. Matt, sorry, Matt. So why don't we do this? We're going to pray and then, and then we can, let's talk about that so people can leave and pick up their kids as needed. So let's go ahead and pray um, for the service. And I just appreciate everybody um, being willing to yeah, share good applications.